Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How were your holidays? Uh, pretty, pretty okay, I guess. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. I I I take um take a lot of time off this time of year. Um, I I have the sure. as, as I've said in the past, I being a parent, I, I have a lot, well, first off, I have, I am privileged enough to say I have a lot of days off with my, with my work. It's just the nature of working in some higher education that they can have days off like that. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, so I'm very fortunate and thankful that I do grants part of my benefits thing, whatever. But I, um, I am a little hesitant to take a lot of days off in case my kid gets sick or something. Um, so sure. I, I will, you know, sprinkle sprinkle days off here and there, uh, and take like a little vacation. But I I won't did you not take a lot of time off, and then it comes to the end of the year, and I take I have I take a lot off at the end of the year because I have to spend it or lose it type thing. Because it because it doesn't roll over. Yeah, I mean, I've, it's I've, like I've, in a video yeah. game when you've got like a special item that's going to really power <laughs> up your character, and you never use it because you only have one. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Uh, I and I I like the uh, analogy that was that was excellent. Um. So I, I, that was a lot to say though, that I have, um, I had a, I usually have a lot of time off at the end of the year. Um, and it's nice. Uh, and, um, but the the other side is that, you know, after I say two weeks off of just kind of like chilling at home with holidays peppered in between, um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not ready to go back to work, I guess is not the right term, but I'm like fine with work. I'm like fine with getting up and going Mm -hmm. and doing work and Mm -hmm. not that like, Oh, here we go again. Another Monday. It's just like a, okay, going to work, doing a thing, you know, popping through. And then it's been, it's been nice that I I started back um, to work yesterday and um, no one at at my work is still coming in because we, since I work in higher education, the, the kids are still gone until, semester starts so faculty and staff take that time off too so like the whole campus is dead and i can actually do Mm -hmm. a lot of good work so yes dennis i've had a good couple weeks off (laughs) i was really boring i was gonna make up i was gonna make a political comment about that but then i remembered uh the last uh most recent season of the orville when um uh, uh um Seth MacFarlane's writers uh, explain that for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, it in when people don't need, don't have needs for things to survive. Yes, some people sit around, but most people can only sit around for so long, and then they want to do something. Yeah, I, I for me, COVID something t- showed something me that. productive. Yeah, COVID showed me that yeah. it was with the like I enjoyed staying at home, working from home, nobody messing with me for a little for 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 a couple of weeks. And then I just, like you said, with that, you, you want to do something, um, man, the Orville like, is, yeah. So, some of that social, you know, you want to see people, but then at a certain point you're like, I want to, I want to do something. I want to make something. And you know, whether that's yeah. Yeah. something, you know, practical or, or something creative art yeah. kind of, uh, man, the, the Orville yeah. is just one of, is one of those, the, that last, the last season of it was, is just one of those perfect reminders to me all the time of, you know, don't don't be too quick to judge, which I do often in in shows and things. It's hard. You know? It's hard, right? Because there's so there's so much media. We talk about this mm-hmm, all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have time. In, um, my brother Andrew, who uh, used to watch a lot of anime, had this practice, and I don't think he invented it. But um, you know, this is not it's not the 80s. There's not you know three anime that everybody watches and everything else is 
Dragon Ball Z, there are dozens and dozens of new anime or seasons, new seasons of old anime, every anime season, which there are four, uh, I think, throughout the year, at least three. And so what he would do is um, any show that he was considering that was new, um, he'd watch the first three episodes because the long, you know, long anime, full length anime are only 20 minute episodes. And that was his like, I'm going to give it three episodes to to grab me, to hook me. Like not just because the first episode sometimes is just so much set up in world building that you still can't really get a feel for the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if if by three episodes it hadn't gotten him, he's like, yeah, that's whatever. There's plenty to watch. Yeah. Now he is he's of the opinion that he's seen every anime <laughs> like every, every new every new show is just a different version of something else which is incredible to me but I never watched as many anime as as he sure. did um and so I can kind of get that I also don't necessarily mind that it's not that different from the rom-com thing we talk about where you know yeah. sometimes it's just comforting to know uh that you're not going to be surprised, right? right. You're going to see the same kinds of tropes and whatever. I I also again don't watch nearly as much anime as he. Yeah, it's it's, the, it's that I'm, if if I've you never love... watched it that level of yeah. like you know two or three shows per season at most. Yeah, it's it's that if you love a thing, then you know that's what I, I like. You said com- like comfort food thing, you know that you you just want want that kind of a stuff. Um, but yeah, I um. With you know, with the Orville, it was I was really critical on the first couple three episodes or so, even. Um, I mean, and, rightfully so, they were rough. Yeah, um, but it was kind of like all setting things up for long term things, and you know, put, yeah. sprinkling stuff in there. And not or or, and and hear me out on this one. They just put the crappy ones first because they knew they were crappy. <laughs> or um, well, um, maybe. maybe I don't know. Maybe. Um, but anyway, it, it you know that that was such a good season, and and I was really. Um, quick to be like i'm not sure i'm gonna watch it anymore um that being said um i did that to willow and um it's hard for me to, i'm in that part with something like willow where uh, i watched what one maybe two episodes and mm. disliked it so much that i, I like right now i don't want to go back and watch it but did did right. i give it a good enough chance you know type thing mm. uh, i i would think that by now I would be hearing everybody bashing on it as much as I tr- truly, truly did not like that show. Uh, but I haven't heard really much of anything. So, but you're probably, cause like you said, there's just so much media out there um, that it's crazy. Well, and you never know, like I heard a lot of people talking about uh, um, rings of power and um, mm-hmm. the house other of the dragon, uh, the, the house of the dragon. Um, and, you know, with, with, with varying mixed opinions. I mean, people had different opinions on Rings of Power, but even the people who liked it were like, you know, this is better than no Lord of the Rings content, yeah. which, depending on the franchise, like, I can get behind, but, you know, like, even I gave up on Discovery yeah. in the fourth season. Right, right. <laughs> I think I think that, you know, we talk about, that you know, nothing exists in a vacuum. That That did not help. Uh, the Orville season three because Strange New Worlds was on and mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds is amazing and we had just recently you and I both um, just given up on Star Trek Discovery yeah and so we're like yeah I know what bad 
sci-fi looks like and this looks like bad sci-fi um honestly i part of what kept me watching was the new character in season three Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah and and then you know all of that stuff eventually paid off it just took a long time to get there yeah the the um um, I, you're, you're right. I, I like that phrase of, you know, you, you know, bad sci-fi and so it is. I think that was with, with, um, uh, Willow was like, I know what I don't, what I don't want to see in fantasy or what I, I can recognize that the, the elements of, of things like that, like the key characters that I don't like. And like, that's going to be a, a permanent thing throughout the, the series or whatever. So like, right. you, you know, Oh, I don't, I, this isn't for me. This isn't the kind of thing that I want. Um, right. I went back, um, what I have been doing, um, is well, playing too much Dyson sphere program. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, while that's on, as you have said multiple times with Factorio, it's easy to put something else on in the background and play and watch th- with those kind of games. Um, so I spent a lot of time putting a whole bunch of series on again and watching through them throughout days. Cause I'm home all day and have a week or two off. Mm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I've got my game room set up pretty nicely now with my projector so I can have it on. And it's kind of a nice thing. Um, so I've had it on a lot and watched a lot of series and I went back and decided that since I'm not a fan of what the Willow did, it, it reminded me of, um, oh, that show that we watched, um, from the books, um, with Wheel of Time. Yeah. Yes. Wheel of Time. And I thought, you know, I, I, I just kept having thoughts back to that and thinking, you know, I don't have bad or good thoughts about that show. It was just middle thoughts, and and I and it kind of, that that mm-hmm. puzzles me, you know, because it, it feels like any any fantasy show that's middle, like mid, is going to get extra pluses mm-hmm. for me because it's got magic and and fantasy. Sure. Um, so I, I went back and like so that puzzles me why it would why it's categorized in my head as mid, and I went back and watched it through, and and I got through a lot of seasons. I did not get back through watching that one all the way through. Um, yeah, I think yeah. well, it, it was I mean, the same kind of thing not... that Willow had. It was the man. I just don't yeah. like that actor, and that actress is just really like seventeen. You know, what I mean, she's just like mm-hmm. in a high school mm-hmm. play. Um, or yeah, yeah, like like watching stuff on the CW. Yeah, it's a. I don't know if this is universally true for um for I mean I know it's not universally true for Amazon series because Amazon has made things that are good and popular there's uh what am i i know there's one that that should be right in the front of my mind that i'm blanking on but like uh marvelous miss Maisel was really good Mm -hmm. i didn't you know i watched like half of the first season with my family Mm -hmm. but um it's not quite enough my thing to watch it by myself um and i watched all the peripheral we talked about that a couple weeks ago Um, How, how did that how did you end up feeling about that that season I mean, it ends sort of on a cliffhanger. It's one of those sci-fi uh, dystopian kind of stories. I think, I don't know if I said this on the air, but as I was watching it, no, nope, I'm confusing. I'm thinking of something else. Never mind. Um, uh, it, it's another book adaptation mm. and the ratings on it are kind of mediocre. So it makes me wonder about who the story is for. There's a lot of the weird sci-fi politics happening it was more interesting to me at the beginning than the more it went on yeah um but it was it was also fine i don't know what my opinion would be of it if i read the books Mm -hmm. or book Ah. um 
But I don't know if that's like, you know, I assume that most of the teams working on series for Amazon Prime streaming are distinct, right? Mm-hmm. There's, I'm sure there's some overlap. Right. Um, you know, the common denominator, of course, being Amazon and their, uh, whoever their executive team or person is in charge of, of those projects. And boy, it's hard not to take the, the sort of, um, how do I say this? Like the grievances of wheel of time. And I mean, I took the grievances from wheel of time into rings of power and that just reinforced my, um, sort of mental image of Amazon as this, and not Amazon as a whole, although that's a whole different conversation. Like the Amazon um, production company. But but Am- yeah. Yeah, Amazon TV series, especially um, um, genre or at least speculative fiction, and go, I don't know, you know, I don't know what their sort of process is. It does not seem to be, you know, making faithful adaptations of things. It does not seem to be making really good well-written things it seems to be heavily politically motivated Mm. but not in a not in a preachy way like the the hbo watchman series or what else there are a couple of those that i saw recently where you know the the writing was kind of bad and there was this loud preachy message from like you can't like you can you can get a message across if your writing is good. Like I felt that way about um, the the baseball um, league of their own mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Um, uh, same thing with Orange is the New Black. Um, like there are political messages in those series, but the characters and the writing are compelling enough that I that I don't mind. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 all those things. So I think. I don't know. It just seems like whatever Amazon is doing seems to be focused really hard on making just pretty mediocre stuff. And unless it's a, unless it's a franchise or a series that has a really big, really loud following stuff just comes and goes. Yeah. Like the people who care, watch it. Some of them have strong feelings. And then when it's over, it's done. I mean, again, that's affected by the sheer, quantity and overabundance of media we have right now yeah. because a lot of things are um seem to be being made for the the lowest common denominator yeah um but i, I think a lot of i don't know i think a lot of that has to do um when i take a step back and try to look at the big picture from like you said an amazon you know production company or or anything mm-hmm. um when I look at that kind of objectively, my, I'm going to say this phrase, but I don't mean it um, terribly much, but <laughs> educated uh, analysis would be um, that it's showrunners. Like they're not, they don't have really good showrunners. Pe- people who are like the ones that are in charge of the vision and mm-hmm. what, what a show sometimes can be uh, directors or sometimes it can be producers you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's producers um, who who are p- kind of in the writers' room, but not writers. You know, right. so so what what they do is a lot of times showrunners for shows are the the people who give the feel of the show. They'll they have a hand in casting, so they they give you the, you know they cast the people that they want 
to feel the roles, right? They And then they, they pick directors who kind of want their feeling in the show. And they pick, you know, sound and sets and things like that with the things they so, – so you have – you end up with a show that has um, a feel of a person, you know, kind of what they want. And it's not always a director, by the way, because you can have multiple directors. Right. Yeah, the directors – it's like um, what we used to say, creator – Although, yeah. if you're doing an adaptation, like, is the showrunner the creator? Um, it's like Gene Roddenberry in, in Star Trek. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, uh, right. The, the original exactly. the original series and, and Next Generation. Like, he didn't write every episode. He didn't direct every episode. But he had this idea. Yeah. And he was the, you know, the man in charge. Right, exactly. And, Perfect example. Right. And it's like a, you know, to borrow a sports metaphor, it's like a general manager yeah. for a... Um, for a for a football team like they're not the coach they're not any of the players they're not the owners Perfect example, yeah. but they are the sort of like the glue or not glue or the glue direction or sure. kind yeah. of yeah yeah um yeah i, I agree and, and with that going straight forward that analogy is that you know you wonder why some franchises can go decades without get, going anywhere more than mediocre and it's because they don't have that they're they're missing the behind the cameras thing that you don't see, right? It's, right. And it's it's the either the owner or the general manager, and I'm translating that for our audience here to like producer or someone behind the scenes showrunner, mm-hmm. you know. And and we don't see that yeah. a lot of times. You can visually see a director's imprint on stuff. You can hear the writers. You can watch the the actors and and their stuff, but you don't see right. w- what is it about something that's just not quite right and you can we blame it on things like oh they're trying to give a message or oh they're kind of doing stuff you know they're they're trying to preach at us those things are what showrunners and creators are doing that's what they're doing like because because what they'll do is you'll have Mm -hmm. for example you'll have a writer's room and they'll they i've seen several different writers room you know documentaries or behind the scenes things and they're all different but you know they're, they're they're throwing things together against the wall and they're coming up with ideas and stuff. And then you have somebody comes in who's usually, again, the producer or the showrunner who has final says or pre-final says. Like he'll go through the, mm-hmm. the early drafts and say, no, I don't want that. I don't think this person would do this. And I want them to kind of be more sympathetic. And then they'll send it back to the writers and then they'll – and they, they get that feedback and they'll say like, okay, well, I guess our – air quotes, good ideas aren't what the feel of what this per- showrunner wants, you know, and then they go back right, and rewrite right. it and they, re- so the showrunner doesn't write it, but they're still doing that. And it's the same thing with, you know, the, a producer will come through. George Lucas was a, 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 an example of this too. It's that, well, although he did direct, was that they would, you know, they had some fantastic people doing, you know, artwork and miniatures and stuff like that. And then they would say, you know, here's the character, and they'd read the script, and then George would come back and say, "No, I like this. I like this funny pudgy one, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, "Oh man, if it was this really cool one, the whole thing changes, right?" But the whole vibe, right? Yeah. And and that's yeah. what I think happens with things like Wheel of Time or Ring of Power, or, you know, more well, and if more you... more original content than than things, but still, yeah. yeah. And we and and we talk a lot about like studios or networks or whoever the like the actual final authority is this would be like the owners Mm -hmm. in our in our uh um football metaphor um 
you know that might they might have the final say, right? Like a show gets canceled, or yeah. they they read have somebody from HR or standards of practice look at the script and go, yeah, you got to switch this and this and this. But the um, whoever that person is, uh, the executive producer is probably the most likely title. Um, depending on their whole, you know, depending on who they are, depending on how well or poorly they fit that role, they might either push and and fight for, you know, the creative uh, um, decisions of the of the writers or the director, or they might roll over for the for the money people. And it's obviously not black and white, right? Yeah, like, right. And it's just like anything else. You have to pick your battles and say, well, I can push them on this, but you know, we're, we're going to have to compromise in some other, some other way, because if you, you know, if you push and push, maybe in the short term, you can get what you want, but in the long term, you're, you know, it's going to come back to bite you. Um, and so, yeah, it's just another, I mean, all of that is just another example of how that person really can set the whole, because it's not, um, it's not just one thing, right? Like I had this thought when you were talking about the, the message thing, it's like, um, sending a message or having fan service or the example I always like to use is a laugh track. Yeah. A laugh track is just a, is just one piece of a style of, of television show. And whether a show is good or entertaining has nothing to do with whether or not it has a laugh track. Um, I mean, maybe as part of the general like vibe of a show. Um, but that's just one small piece. Like if the jokes are bad, you're not going to enjoy them. Um, and hearing a, a studio audience laughing at bad jokes is just going to make them worse. Right. The, but the, but the candle, the candle after the, the audience laughter is not what made the joke bad. Right? right it's just a it's just a symptom and it's you know all of those other details we look at are the same way it's you know there are so many there are so many moving pieces to a a piece of visual production like this like it's so much more complicated than i think any other form of media because there are so many people involved and and there are just so many factors you're like oh well i like this actor but in this, he's garbage. Well, did he, was he reading from a bad script? Did he have, you know, does he usually have a director who helps him, you know, with the character motivation and all that? Because, you know, movies and TV shows are shot out of sequence. So a lot of times the actors don't know the big picture of what scene they're doing. And, the, you know, the director is the person who is supposed to have all that vision in mind and, and you know, guide to direct those people. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, for, for our listeners, a, a good, perfect example of our, I mean, our typical listener uh, of a showrunner that, and how they affect things is John Favreau with like mm. the, the new star Wars on Disney plus series, um, right. minus Andor. Um, like he has this kind of say and control over all of the, um, how Mandalorian and, and things have gone, but he doesn't direct every episode at all. Right. He doesn't write every episode at all, but he's there making mm -hmm. choices and, you know, making things come together in the same feel and making those things. And, and so that's all coming back to the, the original thing is that's what I think is 
a problem with some of these things is that that uh they they don't have good showrunners you know because i because i can't i can't when you look back and you say well you know the actors aren't the actors well the actors are consistent is a big thing with a lot of these shows like the actors are mm. you know it's not like that they came on set one day and are and are doing something totally different because they're doing it for 10 episodes in a row and you're like oh that's right. you know that's what they wanted or the writing is is it's bad it's mediocre and that's what they wanted. Or they speak the same way and say bro or whatever. You know, they that's mm. obvious. Um, so mm-hmm. that that's when you look at something like that and you say, okay, this is not – if you can't pin it down, that's what it is. And, and, I, and I feel that that's way with this. One. So anyway, Wheel of Time, uh, I feel that same way. Um, I think that now that I've watched, you know, half of that first season again um, is um, – uh, I, I get that same kind of feeling is that like, that's what it was. It's like, it, it, I didn't, I didn't feel like watching more of it. Cause like, yeah, I got, I get now what it is. Uh, uh, conversely of the couple of shows that I watched back again. Um, once I started realizing that about showrunner, you know, producer type stuff influences, I was a little bit aware of the following shows and I watched and I realized things like, um, when I watch arcane again, I watched that whole, that whole season in one day. And, hmm. um, and it was compelling all the way through. And it, and I can say things like writing, animation, acting was all good, true. That, and mm-hmm. I can even say, oh, it's because of this or that and the story. And, and that's all true. But I think it was like from episode to episode. And granted, animation is a little different. But it felt like all of it was kind of all together. And the, and the spirit in each episode when it was kind of – it's hard to explain when a good, when a good producer or showrunner comes together and you're like, why? Um, it's when, when you can realize that the sum of its parts are greater than just the individual things. Um, right. And, and, greater and than some of its yeah. Parts. And you can feel it all the way through. And then when you're done with something and you put it done and you have a look back on it and you can't necessarily say, Oh, this one thing is really good. Or I want to watch this one scene or this, what they said, here's the one liners. When you just have the feeling of that was good. That was worth it. You know, then I think you have yeah. a good producer and a good showrunners with, with those things. Yeah, or um, the example that came to mind because I don't I don't rewatch a lot of things, but because we showed it to various members of my family at various times, uh, probably around this time a year ago. So where's our season three? Is uh, is Ted Lasso? Yeah, right? Ted, yes, um, that, we, I love it. Yes, we good talk example. about good um, we talk about how season two had uh, Apple. Apple TV wanted two more episodes than than they had, right? Than they than they had planned, than they had written, and so the the crew, cast crew, whatever, um, put together two extra episodes. And once you, I think, even if you didn't know that, like that 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 happened, it's probably still noticeable these two episodes like if you asked somebody i mean i think i think we had this conversation when we were watching them i was like hey apple tv made them add two new episodes can you guess which ones they are Mm -hmm. um most people could pick or if they said you know what were the what were the most uh, not not weakest but like sure if you said what were the weakest episodes of season two um people might pick those two episodes Mm -hmm. because they're kind of in a bottle they don't you know there's a sort of ongoing story that that they uh don't advance that they're kind of outside of but both of those episodes are really good 
Um, you know, you're watching watching Beard wander around the city, and his character is so great, and he's doing all this interacting with all these strange people, and then you've got the whole Christmas episode, which is just sweet and heartwarming, and all this stuff, and it speaks to that whatever, whether it's a single person or just a, a secret sauce of, like, everybody understanding the assignment, as the kids say, um, to say, even outside of their plan, they're like, here are our 10 planned episodes for season two, and we're going to tell this story. The studio comes back and says, hey, can you give us two more episodes? They're like, okay, let's put together two more episodes, and they're still up to the same caliber and quality yeah. of of the of the whole that, of the that, whole thing. Excellent, excellent example for for sure. That, that was another one that I went back and watched again. I watched season one again, um, mm-hmm. and, and it holds up again. It's like yeah, oh yeah. And I think one of the best parts about season one rewatching it um, was that was one that I had a hard time uh, doing anything but watching because a couple really good shows like it's on and then you just get distracted by watching it. I mean, because it's, it's good. Right. And you're like, Oh, I, I want to sure, see this. Sure. Or, or you like the characters enough that you want to watch them interact or something. Uh, Ted Lasso was, um, the best part about watching season one again is, is knowing kind of their journey and the mm-hmm. characters, each of them. And, uh, they're, they're not done with their journey yet. They're still on it with the next season coming, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but a lot of them have had, I think with Ted Lasso, it's not an arc per se. I think they have just a normal life kind of developments in life, which is something I really love about the yeah. writers or the show of that is that they're, they do change, but they don't, it's not like they have a beginning, middle and end. And this character came from here and now they're a whole person at the end. And I think that's kind of a mistake with shows. Cause then what, then what do you do with them? I think with, right. with their, these characters, they, they're people who learn things and are still the same people afterwards, but they're still working through whatever or improving or getting through and they get new trip trials and tribulations. And, and so watching season one, I can see like, oh, I remember these were these, this is where these characters were at this point in their lives and what they went through. Yeah. And yeah, there were, there were arcs in, I'm sure we talked about this back then, mm-hmm. but there were things that happened in season two that I was like, uh, the relationship with Rebecca and, um, I'm not gonna remember his name, but the player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sam, is that name? Like, Sam, I think is it. Sam, yeah. Um, and I was like, this seems like I get it here at this point, but it feels kind of implausible. Like I, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling it. I agree. And then w- we rewatched season one so that, you know, somebody could see it who hadn't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were clues, there were breadcrumbs. I was like, Oh, I see. It's like, even, you know, despite the age gap, he's a bit of an old soul and, you know, mm-hmm. they sort of have, some chemistry right from the beginning. And I'm like, that's there. I just forgot because I was focused so much on the main Ted and Roy and, and beard and uh, Jamie and, and, and Jamie and Keely stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All, all all excellent. And and I got finished with season one and now I want to launch into season two. And, and you mentioning a beard episode makes it confirms that that's gotta be my next thing to, to watch again. Because, uh, uh, as we said back then, which bears worth repeating, I honestly was worried and anxious through that entire episode, not knowing that they had that request to have two extra special things in there. I thought this was just a part of the storyline, and it was the, the yeah. show was so good that I 
almost always expect them to kill somebody off. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And, and and now that you're saying that, that reminds me that I um, either I or somebody we knew, now the memory is hazy in my mind, but I'm sure Fox or somebody will correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but somebody who I think was me anyway, knew that, um, the episode after that was, had, had funeral in the title. It was like, Oh yeah. No weddings in a funeral or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and so I think I had some of that too. Like they are, they are not going to kill off beard. Yeah. Tell me they're not doing that. Right. Um, and, and if it makes you anxious, right. (laughs) It's going to be, um, well, I think that it's a justified thought because, you know, there's pressure in Hollywood and it's always a money making right. thing. And, and obviously viewers are fickle. The, so you, you have, you, know, you have, you, you know, you don't get, you, you can't get contract renegotiations or, yeah. you know, whatever that's, that's, um, and you, you have what like, happened you, with wash and yeah. If you have like a oh, yeah, serenity, exactly. Thing. If you have this, you know, emotional show that like tugs at the heartstrings, um, and I hope that that phrase doesn't turn people off to watching Ted. Um, but if you you have a thing that has genuine feelings you, that you have for it, um, mm-hmm. then the natural reaction is um, how do we where do we go from here? How do we get bigger? Or how do we how do we do those kind of emotions in a different way? Or and how do we yeah, yeah. how do we top? How do we keep the momentum, the the energy, whatever from season one? Right, and 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 uh, a death, a loss is something that a writers go to. You know, um, sure. and, and that's, that's, that's rough and sucks. Um, so I, w- I did not want that for Ted and, and spoiler for, uh, people who haven't watched Ted yet, which you should stop listening to this and go watch Ted, um, is that nobody dies. So, um, that, that, and, that's and, good. and to be clear, we're talking about the Apple series, Ted Lasso, yeah. not the Marky Mark <laughs> teddy bear which, movie which Ted. which are two very different things very different things I, I also like Ted but but for different reasons uh, <laughs> yeah uh, so anyway all right we should uh, we should talk about something instead of uh, <laughs> other things going half an hour on on random TV news um, right, wait I have a, oh go ahead I was gonna say I got I, speaking of news there's a couple of news things I was gonna get your take on yeah, go for J- it. Just two quick ones. Um, uh, so, well, the first one was, hey, did you hear about J- Jeremy Renner? I did hear about that. Yeah. It sounds uh, uh, very unfortunate. Tra- tragic um, and unfortunate. I, I don't know what's what the, what's going to happen or where that is, but man. Yeah, I, I didn't look, you know, I heard about it uh, verbally from my family who were, and I think somebody in our Discord gave some, some account of events. And so I got conflicting reports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know, I don't know details, but, um, you know, obviously hope that he recovers and yeah. for, you know, for his sake and his family. The, uh, um, um I, I went to the, the tried and true news source, um, to make sure that to, to learn all my information, uh, TikTok. And truth social. Yeah. Okay. And of course it's where people go for to get truth. Right. Um, but no, th- this, there was actually TikTok. There was a TikTok of the, the sheriff's press, re- press conference he had. Pre- press conference. So, so yeah. I could you know at least trust the, the sheriff there. Um, and the, his report was that, you know, just an accident. He was out, you know, it, it was those, I don't know if you've ever been in or seen someone who's been on a car or a lawnmower or something like a, 
machine and they get off of it and they forget to put the parking brake on or something and it just t- starts taking off and then like they jump back on to get it to do and he missed or something and it ran over him and it's like 1400 pounds so that does sound just like anton from uh um yeah what's his last name Yel- Yel- yelkin or um, something like that Yel- yelkin from from the the abrams star trek yeah uh, yeah that's that was also another thing. so yeah it's i it, and, and i like jeremy renner and a lot of things you know i i liked him i even like to spin on the born uh movie that some people didn't mm-hmm. like a lot mm-hmm. but um i went back and that was my series to watch through today was uh hawkeye because obviously it brought to memory i was like oh, i'm gonna watch some jeremy renner stuff um mm. so and and i open up disney plus and sure enough the number one uh uh, requested thing right now on Disney Plus is in the front corner is Hawkeye. I'm like, oh yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody's watching it. Um, Oof. So, um, the second one was uh, so. It, the first part of this is just a statement. The second part is the question. Uh, so okay. everybody knows that um, Henry Cavill, is his name Cavill, Cavill, um, one of those, yeah, yeah. Uh, had. Um, was the witch was the Witcher is is for this upcoming season, and was very popular, very popular with that. Uh, rumor is that he wasn't a fan. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a huge he's one of those rabid fans, right? Rumor was that he wasn't sure. very a, a real fan with how the writers were deviating from the source material so much, and that it was just okay, getting sure. worse and worse and worse. And he is one of those. He's like a um, a Wolverine, Hugh Jackman guy. That's kind of like real nice and real. In, in real life and kind of a, a nice guy so he doesn't want like a lot of conflict uh, but has kind of brought it up to them he didn't feel like he was he was going there so he made the choice that he was going to leave the witcher but he did it after uh dc asked him to be superman again and he made that pivot to say like oh i you know i love superman i love being in this and i love the exciting new thing that we're going to do with going forward and changing it and being fun um and then so he did that but it was only like a spoken agreement went away and quit the Witcher so that he could devote time to this thing. And then they fired him without hiring them, uh, which was a uh, Warner brothers, Warner brothers. Right. Which was, that's a whole thing. That wasn't necessarily the topic I was going to ask you about, but that's the background. Okay. The, the thing I was going to ask you about was that um, the rumors floating around with him. And this was before all this and still going after this is that he's uh, a high, high runner for the next James Bond. What do you think of him as the next James Bond? Hmm. Did you, did you see the mission impossible that he was in with it? Yeah. With the arm cocking gun thing. Oh, was that right? I can't remember that. Yeah. He, he does. He like, before he goes into, this fight and he like oh his arm right he's like, gee, gee. like oh, this, this silly thing yeah um i don't know i'm one of those weird people who thinks that we should have a person of color as bond because there are plenty of english actors of color um i don't know if that's a term but sure um but i don't I don't know. Like, I am a James Bond fan, but not a fan, not a fanatic fan. Like, I have watched and liked all of the new movies. From Pierce Brosnan, from Goldeneye on, I've watched them all. But the last, uh, 
I'd say the last half or so of the of the Craig era, I didn't watch right away. Like I eventually watched them. Um, so whatever that tells you about my uh, level of fan Bond fan status, and I think it's probably true that the that the core market for Bond films is not wholly dissimilar from the core market for the fast franchise fast and furious <laughs> i love how you're um, you're kind of circling around my next question here <laughs> <laughs> um i okay so well that I mean, that, that leads sure that, of that course leads. of course let me let me let me sure get get my get my train thought uh train of thought back on the rails from my my socio-political digression there um <laughs> Sure, I think he would be fine in that role. He's a, I want to say he's a little old, but probably not. Uh, most of the Bonds start a little old. It's a character with a lot of experience, a lot of like history and almost, dare I say, gravitas to him. Uh, you know, you would not put a, I don't even know who to who to name drop as like a, like a 25, 30 year old actor in that role. Um, so, um, yeah, like, uh, uh, boy, and then I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm going to come up. I, I almost had a name, but I'm like, they're, they're American. So, okay. Not an American, but like, like a, like a Jack Quaid, like it's clearly too young. Like doesn't yeah. have the, doesn't have the experience to portray that role. Now, you get into the whole question of like, what is the James Bond character? Do we still need? Is there still a market? Probably. Of course. I mean, they don't, yes, to, to the need the question, yes. like we never, <laughs> we never needed right. this. Um, well, he, here, think, as for age, I can tell you this. Um, um, he's it, probably about the same. Yes, as Dan- Daniel Craig was uh, when Casino Royale came out with Daniel Craig. He's fifty-four now, and that was two thousand six. So that would be. Uh, what, what am I doing math here in my head? Um, forty something. Yeah, he, he was like forty something, and and um, or forty whatever. And um, Henry Cavill is thirty eight, so he's okay. He's right in that that age. So it's stuff. it's the opposite. He's not too old. I'll tell you what I'm what I'm picturing is, I think, at least in the things that we've seen him in, which or or that he's known for, which are. Superman and The Witcher. He has, to me, a little too much physicality for the role. Like, like I wouldn't want to see, I don't know, um, um, Chris Hemsworth or mm-hmm. Jason Momoa playing Bond. Like, Bond is not a physically imposing sure. character, right? He's he's a character of like calculation and wit. And and you know, uh, that's funny suave, be, because I sort think of. that's that's the that turns us, which, which I don't want to necessarily go into, but that, that's the uh, the perpetual what what is your bond, right? Do you like um, um, the Scottish guy? What am I thinking? Oh, I can't think of his name. Um, Sean, Connery. Sean Connery or Roger Moore because they're different ones. Do you like Pierce Brosnan? Uh, Brosnan. So so. Uh, it, so yours, it sounds like, is the more lithe, intelligent, suave kind of one, um, where mine was always the um, what, the guy I just was saying. Um, 
him and um, Daniel Craig, which was the more physically imposing uh, fisticuffs, but James Bond. Um, so for me, a brawler fits the kind of James Bond that I like more. But you're totally right. I also liked Pierce Brosnan when he was it, and he was more kind of the suave, debonair, you know, uses gadgets yeah. and yeah. get in that's, and out. Place. That's true. That's true. I think. Um of the two, Daniel Craig is a little more. Um, yeah, a little C- more careful. Common. He's my favorite Bond. So no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, he's he's more like common is a little derogatory, but he's a little bit more of an everyman. Sure, yeah, um, I agree with you. than than Pierce Brosnan was. Yeah. I think, and I of course, that. there are there's something like thirty or forty of these movies, so we've seen all kinds. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, right, but well, how about to how, me? It's it's. It's like James Bond carries a gun that fits under his arm. It's a small palm-sized gun. Right, yeah. He doesn't carry a shotgun. He doesn't carry a a big uh, you know, Civil War era revolver. Right. Um, he doesn't carry an Uzi or a machine gun like Scarface. Yeah. I mean, we don't like, want him to be the rock, right? Right, right. And, you know, thinking on it more, I I absolutely am not saying that Henry Cavill is not capable of playing that kind of character. Just for me, I'm associating yeah. him in my mind with a much more, as you say, brawler, like who's yeah. going to punch somebody in the face first. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Which also is not really, is not really how Geralt and uh, the Witcher is either. He's just m- m- more brooding. But, than, but that is his character in Mission Impossible. Like he, really he's is. a, he's a spy, yeah, but he's a brawler, true. but he's, but he's a brawler like spy. He's the one that, like you said, just like you mentioned, that is what he is in that. He's that use punch first type person. Um, so if it's, it feels like if that's the spirit he brought to bond, he, you're right. I think he would be a brawler one. So, so, uh, let's throw another hat into that ring. Saying what you just said, when I was saying you're circling around the, the, the subject here that I was going to ask you about. So Henry Cavill, you mentioned a person of color and you mentioned Superman and you mentioned fast and furious. How about Idris Elba? He was, uh, he was, <laughs> he called himself the black Superman in Hobbs and Shaw, which is the <laughs> tangent show from the fast from, and furious. F- from the, from the fast franchise. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Idris Elba in this role. I think we're, well, I'm going back to where I said when you asked about Cavill. Like, I think we're getting to where he's almost too old. He, he is getting, I he mean, is a little, I don't know his, his age now, but he is, he seems like a not, old. not, I mean, this is, this is Bond, right? Granted, this isn't Tom Cruise one... is like 67 billion years old and he's still doing amazing action stuff. But so, Tom Cruise, right. Tom Cruise is an alien. From <laughs> that's the, that's the, very, very true. The planet, the planet. <laughs> Uh, xenon uh, or whatever scientologists go come from um you know this is this is the bond franchise though this is not you know one and done i don't know timothy dalton wasn't he one and done or two and done two two he did two it was the guy between uh uh george lazenby was between roger moore and and timothy dalton and he only did one because it was right so so it's possible Um, (laughs) right it's possible but of course nobody goes in with that plan, right? right? That was that was a, a an anomaly, right? They want somebody who they can who can get them four or five movies. I mean, they wanted Tom Holland, right? 
They want a guy that's going to stick with the thing for a long time. Tom Holland, there's a, there's a good example. Absolutely, Tom Holland is too young to play behind. <laughs> um, there you because, go. <laughs> be, because well because he's like 33 and still playing uh, Peter Parker at like In, ju- 18, Just graduating 19, from high school. Right. Just graduating high school. Um, Excellent, yeah. And so, yeah, like... Like Idris Elba could probably play Bond now, but can he play Bond in ten years? Yeah, um, that's going to be rough. Right. So anyway, I, I thought those, those are interesting thoughts, and and I mm-hmm. I, I intentionally always I, I want to say always intentionally skip these new. I'm using air quotes here, guys. News articles that that are like who is the next Bond, and we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to write an article about it being Michael B. Jordan, or you know. All these, I really dislike those casting rumors or thought kind of type stuff. Um, sure. Um, the word you're looking for is clickbait. Clickbait, right? Oh, those are really. It's what's worse is when you get caught <laughs> by them. Like you think it's a real article or something, and you click it, and you're like, oh man, oh, I read it. Got me. Again. I read a paragraph. I can't believe I read a paragraph. You always know it's wrong when they when they like. You know, it's let's let's talk. Have you heard about Idris Elba? And then it's like the first paragraph is his. Is the last five movies as he's in and talking about that before they ever say anything? Yeah, like just, ah, a, right, just a lot of padded content. Yeah, I think it padded content. Okay, so those were the things that I was uh, the news things that I was going to uh, bring up was the, those kind of stuff. Uh, so let's let's move on to our next since we're on kind of movies. Let's stick with our our movies thought here. Um, well, do we want to? The two big ones that we want to talk about this week are. Glass Onion we watched, and The Pest, which mm-hmm. is our show. Which one do you want to go with first? Before, and then we'll move into some game stuff later on. Let's let's do The Pest first because I think if we get into Glass Onion, we might use up too much time. Okay, and not get. You don't think we'll spend too much time on The Pest? Probably not. <laughs> okay. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week we watched The Pest. From 1997, starring John Leguizamo, Jeffrey Jones, uh, and nobody else that you've ever seen. Yeah. I think probably in in stuff. Right. Um, I, I had never seen this, and also you, had never heard of it in my entire lifetime. So <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, it. You've seen ahead. this though. You've, you. Oh, it, yes. It's part of like your your ingrained DNA that you make. It feels my, that way, right? Yeah, it's part of my autobiography. Um, <laughs> T- I've, tell us, a, I've, I want to know a little bit about that before we launch anything. What, so, what, what's your what's your history around the pre- the past? Okay, so uh, I've talked before about how when I was a kid, and even into my teens, I mean, until until I was out of high school, and even really, this this didn't really start to change until you know maybe the 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 first half of the 2000s of the aughts uh, when more people had laptops and computers and then especially into the the late aughts and the early 2010s when we got smartphones and what i'm talking about is uh um availability of screens okay um when i was a kid we had a tv we ah, had one tv yeah, okay. and fairly early on my parents had a TV in their bedroom that was like a 12 inch TV that, um, you know, you got to use if you were sick, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, you right. stayed, stayed in the room and ate saltines and drank seven up and 
watched prices right or whatever um and then we eventually had a family computer when i was like seven so if you didn't want to watch whatever people were watching i played hours of starcraft while the rest of my family were watching er because i didn't care about that show and if everybody was watching it nobody else wanted to use a computer um all of that to say uh back then back in those days if there was just one or maybe two tvs you had to watch whatever the majority were watching or whoever got there first or take turns or all this kind of stuff um which is why there are a select few children's movies that i've seen many many times because i have younger siblings and they are harder to please right they're small right whatever okay unnecessary backstory aside um well that, that, my no, that, oldest... that means that means a lot because i think that uh that's something that a lot of people in the last who's came into i don't know adolescence in the last 10 years all and of, further and... all of our all of our gen z and gen alpha listeners yeah they they, both they, of they, them, they will never uh, don't remember forward, will never understand that like you go back watch a movie made in the 70s We're, or or before you, you don't understand that's the only thing you get to watch you know or a tv show right when when your parents and everybody else were watching home improvement you could not play on your ipad yeah um, you, you, you either watched you either watched home improvement or i don't know m- maybe you could go read a book or something if you are into reading no, no, which no, no. i do you that a home lot too right? <laughs> you probably watched home improvement yeah, right. um but that's and, important too. so that's that's fair yeah yeah um uh, uh, generational social commentary aside, um, my oldest sister, who's two years younger than me, uh, she and her friend in, uh, would have been probably early high school age for her, um, loved this movie. And they decided that they were going to learn all the words <laughs> to the song that is in both the opening and end credits. Okay. Uh, it's John Leguizamo in the shower singing about how great he is and doing a bunch of impressions and props. And it's ridiculous. Um, and another thing that we didn't have in this, in that era was, uh, really reliable subtitles. What honestly, in retrospect, the TV probably, unless it was, it was an old TV in the basement. So probably not, but if they had had the good TV, maybe it had, it had closed captioning that they could have used. Um, but that probably was not super reliable either. Even the version of it we saw, um, which uh, I think I've th- well, watched it with a bunch of my family, was um, was on Amazon. It's there were still a bunch of changes in the subtitles because this movie, the characters, especially John Leguizamo, talk very fast. There's yes. a lot of jokes, just just really quick, you know, obscure references. Um, stuff happening all the time so even with subtitles i think you'd be you'd have a hard time getting the lyrics of this song and again i mean in 97 there was an internet (laughs) we didn't have it yet um and so and even even in 97 i don't think you could really reliably google something like well there was no google first of all um but you could not just search song lyrics yeah anyway all of that is the setup to say that I've seen this movie many times. <laughs> um, there, I've not seen it probably in twenty years. Okay, um, and so there were, as I always say, there were elements of the plot that I 
was fuzzy on until then they happened and i was like oh yeah he does this and then he says he calls him a sucker butt and they do this and he goes to his girlfriend's house and like all the scenes all the lines um the different characters like once in a while something would happen and i'm like oh i never caught that joke before he's you know he's making a reference to this or um all that kind of stuff so yeah that's what this movie is uh it was my sister's favorite movie my sister now is uh next year she's gonna be 40 she's gonna turn 40 mm-hmm. and she has four kids um the oldest of whom just turned 18 and so it took a few days of like hints and reminders and finally somebody i think my the next sister after her was like dennis has to watch this because he's recording the podcast tomorrow so we've got to watch it and you know and my thing was always like well we can watch it together if not, I'm going to have to watch it by myself in the camper, which is going to be a bummer. <laughs> yeah, right, like, right. Like, I don't really want to do that. And I don't think any of y'all who have seen it want me to have to do that either. Um, <laughs> right. And so, yeah, that's my... We did eventually watch it with uh, several of, of my siblings, including my uh, newest brother-in-law, who is, I want to say, like 28. Um who was just very like looked at the screen bewildered almost the whole movie with a, with a few exceptions. Like I glanced over and saw him laughing at some of the jokes. So I'm like, all right, some of this is landing. (laughs) Uh, I think I, I think I was a lot like him. I think was, 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 was my, my thing. I, uh, this has to fall under, I'm glad for that information. I I think it's super important because we, we talk about that with, many of the shows that are on my list about why, why they're, I, I like them and why, why they're good and, mm-hmm. and they'll forever be, be good to me because of that. And, and we've talked about how, when you watch a thing and how you are and how it feels that, how that when this is another one of those categories, it's that, um, you know, something that was in your past that you watch repeatedly and everybody has those things, right. That, that like, right. Just, you, you just, maybe it wasn't the first time you watched it and you just loved it and you had to watch it again. It's maybe it's something you watched all the time or it was always on the TV or why do we always like a Christmas story because it's being played 24 hours a day on Christmas, the only thing on or something, you know, or, or why do we mm-hmm. watch parades be on TV because that's what we do or something, you know? Um, right. Um, and, uh, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, watching this as, you know, 47 year old adult, uh, having <laughs> no, no reference, watching it in my, you know, downstairs in the living room by myself at night. Um, I just kind of stared at the screen. I didn't have, I don't have much to say <laughs> about it. Um, I, because it, for the, after the first five to 10 minutes, I thought, okay, this is one of those movies that it's so incredibly terrible that it's supposed to be terrible, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and like, so the, everything went out of the way of like, okay, what this is supposed to be. Or even I try to place it in the, uh, the goofball shows of the, the eighties and nineties, which there's a lot of those. Sure. Um, uh, your your airplanes. Your, yes, if your, you're watching anything by Mel with Sinbad catalog. in it, you know, anything with Sinbad. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you like that. That's what those are. You go there, and I remember things like Sinbad. I was elementary school or middle school, and those things kind of come out, and um, I wanted to go with my my middle school friends to the theater to watch those because the only way you could watch you know movies besides VHS mm-hmm. back then, um, and. Because, and they were just really bad. And you watch them now and you're like, they're really bad. Uh, but as a kid, you just 
liked that goofiness and it was just that constant goofiness was really great. So I, you know, try to right. think about in, in that, that, uh, perspective, but, um, I couldn't get very far with even that kind of stretch. I, Cause it, it just kept feeling like <laughs> this is a Leguizamo thing. He pitched it or he yep. didn't, I don't think, know if he pitched it, how this came about, except that somebody was like, John Leguizamo is a comedic genius. And I want him to make his own movie. Just in the same way that Eddie Murphy makes his own, you know, comedy sure. shows. Uh, let sure. just let him do whatever. And then there's the director they chose for it was just a guy that was like, they gave him the, the thing. Let John do anything he wants, and anything he does, you just do it and record it and give us the dailies. Um, and that's what they did because it's just maybe, it's, maybe. I I, I, I don't know how any of it's scripted. Yeah, there. Well, there are some jokes that I'm like somebody's. I mean, and I don't know John Leguizamo, but I'm like, this does not seem like a joke he would know. Like, yes, there are plenty of, um, I mean, it's the 90s, so this movie is filled with racial That's humor. Super racist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you, you got to look at it in perspective, yes. But, but like, like at least 80% of it is specifically um, either latin american or uh i think he's puerto rican Mm -hmm. um and uh so it's you know you get some of that where it's like eddie murphy making jokes about black people whatever you're like it's it sort of gets a pass um but it's it's very 90s it's very i mean we've watched movies we've definitely watched other movies that were of this same like personal history kind of status for me um, yeah, little giants comes to mind uh, or, yeah, uh, right. or, um, uh, little rascals again, mm-hmm. another sure. little in the title, um, which are, you know, maybe not as good as I thought they were, or I even sort of knew that I'm like, well, this is a kid's movie. So it's, you know, nobody's going to call it a masterpiece. Um, but then I watch it and I'm like, even for what, you know, little giants, I'm speaking of specifically, mm-hmm. yeah. like even for what this is. It's not very good. Like right. there are others, there are other examples of this exact thing. This is just the one that I happen to watch dozens and dozens of times. Yeah. This movie, um, none of us, including my sister who memorized all the, and wrote down all the words to the, to the song. Um, none of us would hold this up as a good movie. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, my, my brothers, uh, who are both, uh, right around, well, they're in their late twenties. Um, they showed this to some friends when, when Xbox live did that thing where you could watch movies together. Oh yeah. They showed this to some of their Xbox live friends and they're like laughing. They're quoting along with all the lines that they know. Cause again, only one TV, they sort of watch this with us, which I'm like, were they like nine and 10 in the room with this movie on? But again, well, not again, cause I haven't said this before. Um, there's a lot of inappropriate content in this. But it is, let me check real quick. It's PG-13. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, That's weird. Probably probably for the violence because there's very little profanity. And the, um, any of the, like, sexual humor or racial humor, any of that, is very, um, I don't want to say subtle because nothing about this movie is <laughs> subtle. <laughs> That's not the right word, right? <laughs> It's, it's in the, it's in the writing. It's like, 
uh, it's like jokes for parents in kid movies, yeah. right? Like if you if you know, you know, if you're a little more worldly, you're gonna get those references. But if you're a kid, you're just confused, or you're just like, ah, oh, he said a funny thing, and it's and it's whatever. Um, I think that's but anyway, I think that's they, a showed, word. they showed their friends this movie, and they got to the end, and because Andrew told the story like two or three times to, when there were different people around, tell were like, uh, their friend was like. Well, you guys, I'm going to go. <laughs> that, that movie was weird. That movie was weird. Yeah. That's that's the best way I could have described it for the podcast. Was I thinking, well, that's that was I, I couldn't. It's got the most when I say loosest of plots, I say that with <laughs> the most generous <laughs> use of that term ever uh, because you mentioned it being like, was it the greatest game or the greatest hunter? Or the most, the most, most dangerous, dangerous game. game. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That, that's that's what your most loosest thread is. But every bit of it, from start to finish, is like, I just I couldn't follow. I didn't know what was going on. And and then it did it it did. I hate saying this because I hate being one of these people. Like it did bother me <laughs> at how bad how how much it reached into the offensiveness with stuff. Um, sure. And and I again, I remember being like in eighth grade, and that crass humor was wonderful. Like, you sure. Know, that that's that was you know he he's dressed up like a Chinaman speaking Chinese and then making fun mm-hmm. of their chopsticks to another Chinese guy, and then he gets on a that's on a, that's true. I, yeah. That's true. He does, and and then later in the movie, also like that you said Chinaman. Yeah. Um, I mean that's that's what he would say. he would use that word like Chinaman or right, he, he'd actually right. use more offensive word things like that and then and, right and, it and just, then and later in the movie he is a Japanese man right, right? so he, he's got both both kinds of uh, yeah but I mean that's uh, so that's as, just as, an eighth as, grader as much as you can say genre like that's how many Mel Brooks films right or or whatever that was just how this and there's very I mean if they're is stuff like this being made there's very little of it but it's not yeah. even i want to say that it's the 90s but you go back and there was there was stuff in the 80s right uh, blazing saddles was made in the 70s it's just uh yeah i um, I, I don't know if i i'd compare it to things like blazing saddles i mean i i'm i'm pointing out the the more racism part of it but this was sure. this was i mean things like blazing saddles are offensive intentionally be offensive i think this one is offensive to be crass um, in the same mm, way. And, sure, and as, sure. just yeah. as, just as we're talking about it, I, I do think the where this fits, I was really struggling with not just saying, I, I don't recommend this to absolutely anybody that that was almost one of my things, but, but I changed my mind here as I'm speaking. I think the people who okay. I recommend it to is a very, very, very narrow slice of things. And it would Obviously. be an, an, uh, American eighth grader male. I think okay. I think those like today, maybe. I, I mean, I think that, I don't think okay. that kid, I don't think that humans change really that much. I mean, I, I guess I, I think they. I still think that teenagers are still broody, and you know, sure. I'm, I'm generally speaking here. You know, lock themselves in their room no I, matter what. They everybody has those phases. There's goofy phases you go through. There's you know, crass of course, phases. Of course, I and I agree with that 100. percent I think my only hesitation with like someone now versus someone then is i think some of the references were obscure in the 90s 
and I think they're going to be even. Oh yeah, yeah, more, sure, sure. You know, I, I, you're right. You know. it, it becomes dated at a certain point. Um, right. But but exactly. honestly, he, he he was so manic in everything he was saying in every, every single scene, shot every that it, it doesn't matter. It was like I'm using air quotes again, guys. Air quote. The jokes were were not given a second to land. So it's not like, no, it, no. you know, it's be- because he was just like seven jokes in one sentence with every, you know, mm-hmm. because it was, it almost felt like he was on speed or cocaine and he just kept going. Um, it's, it's, and, yeah. and so, so if it was an offensive thing, the only, that's why the only thing that became offensive is, is when he would just stay on that topic. You know, when he'd, he'd keep going about Chinese people or Asian or, um, sure. you know, or Hispanics or whatever. Um, that, that's the only thing that was noticeable because it was all one big quick blur of stuff. So yeah, just this like this like stream of consciousness. You know, there's one joke and then another joke. And I mean, again, to put quotes around jokes. Yeah, but, like there's there's a line that's meant to be funny, and then another one, another one, and somebody responds to him and he's doing the thing, and the guy is you know right ready to shoot him from the beginning before the hunt even starts. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So so it's a uh, so yeah. I I still think that that. That part of it is timeless for that section, cross section of people to watch. Sure, um, is is that because it's their minds are just that kind of way of uh, we call it now a, uh, ADD or you know attention deficit disorder, ADHD. You, you know, and know. and the that it's um, you're just you know always going a mile a minute, can't pay, pay attention to something. I as a kid, this is great, enjoyed they might be giants. Um, sure. And I, I still, to some extent, too. But that's a perfect example, is that they're just completely whacked. Go listen to the, to the song Triangle Man, and you realize, mm-hmm. what what is this even about? And it doesn't make any sense, and it's completely just crazy. But I absolutely loved it because it was it made no sense, and it was just absurd and crazy. And that's what the pest is here. It's just absurd and crazy, and it has no point. And when you're I mean, in that mode... That is perfect, you know. W- w- what even is a birdhouse in your soul? What is a birdhouse in your soul? Right, um, exactly. I mean, that, that's I. Re- I think back on things like that. You know, Constantinople was you know uh, uh, Istanbul, Istanbul, and and you're like, those are so perfect. And and I can remember the, those phrases heart in my heart, and as I say them all and quote them all, yep, and they yep, mean yep. nothing. And they're just super special to me. And that's how the pest can probably be when I look at like to you or to other people or people of that age. Like just it, that's what you want. And that's perfect for it. So, yes, sure. I would. As you said earlier, moving out of spoilers, well, I guess we never went to spoilers. Uh, yeah. The, the, uh, I think that. Uh, because just like you, there's almost nobody I would recommend this to. Yeah, it's. It has a 4% for critics, and critics are dumb, so we don't go by critics. But that's the <laughs> lowest I've ever seen of a show that I've actually watched to watch. Um, sure. And, and I think 4% is not right um, because you got to see some kind of quality. There's got to be worse than this. Um, the, you got to, you know, the critics thing we always say is like, what were they trying to do and were they successful at pulling that off? Yeah. Which, um, and, but four percent, and, and we case. know that uh, how aggregators work with Rotten Tomatoes. But to get four percent, it's got to be so many people gave it terrible. You know, even you know. Well, and it's a and it's a twenty five year old movie. So, like, what did they aggregate? Like, yeah, what did right, they find right, yeah. 
you know, who Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down. <laughs> sure, sure. And, um, you know. But the audience scores now are at like 69%, which is still pretty low because audiences, you know, skew higher. Um, I would I would go, if I was giving it a, a number between one and ten, mm-hmm. two or three. Um, sure. I, I think that's where that, that fits. Um, h- hard to recommend to anyone, uh, but with that slice of people that I said, I, I think, as a matter of fact, I, I go camping with uh, our buddy Trotsky and his family, or more mm-hmm. more uh, appropriately, Betsy's family. Um, sure. And they had a whole bunch of kids. This is when uh, our, our buddies kids Wade and them were in middle school and okay, they were sure. all just completely absurd and all the things they would mm-hmm. do, they would go out and just do absurd things. All these, these, you know, tween boys. And, and sure. that is exactly, I would set them down and I would show them the past 100%. And I right. bet you they would love it. So there's, there's a market there for that stuff. <laughs> um, so I want to, I want to leave it on that one. Uh, well, okay. Okay. Well, well, well done. You've you found a way to uh, to recommend this terrible <laughs> to the, this movie to some to somebody. Um, yeah. you know, there's always a, a reason for things. Uh, okay, sure. so Glass Onions, uh, our next one, and this one is not a sequel. What, what was your phrase that you used um, to when you were asking Franchise, what kind of movie Um, boy, what what did I say? You said, "Is this I, like James?" Or did you say James Bond? Is that how you recommend? Pro- Probably James Bond. Yeah, you, um, like is it is it a sequel that I have to watch the first, or is it a like a James Bond episode type thing? And the answer is I James said, Bond, right? I said, is it a sequel, sequel, or more like a Bond film? Yeah, and bo- Bond film is correct, right? That one hundred percent. Yeah, that that it's there, and and I I watched this with Sydney because I knew she'd like it. Um, sure. It, m- much to her, um, like she did not want to watch it and was really like, oh, reluctance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I knew she would like it and you just have to watch it. And she asked that same thing. She's like, you know, do I have to watch the first one? No, you don't have to watch the first one. She, she, she's going to love that. You're always ragging on her on the podcast. <laughs> right, right. No, well, I, I, her opinion is kind of important to me, especially for her, for her of age course. group. And she has seen so many movies. Um, you know, she actually, her, her response is, is that was it. I say it's that raw response that a younger or more naive person who's not, who's seen a lot of movies, but not, you know, is not jaded as what I could be. Sure. Um, sure. It's, it's not, um, oh, how do I say this without, without meaning to be insulted? I mean, raw is a good word. Like, um, like gut reaction Rorschach test kind of yes. like, yeah, I agree with you. You know, just, just here's, here's this emotional reaction. I mean, it's the same, like I have conversations with my nieces who are what? 18, 15 and oh, yeah. It's a good thing they don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, It's like 18, 15, and 12, I want to say. And and boy, they have really different takes on on Marvel movies than when I talk to all of our adult friends, you know, middle-aged adult men who are like, oh, it's this and and this, and I like this because of this. Like, the opinions are all very complicated. Yeah. And, and, and... I don't know, whatever, whatever else. So you're looking for that just like gut reaction. Yeah. Which I, I, I value very highly. Uh, of course I, I really do. I, I, because I think that's kind of the point of entertainment is that how do you feel right? How, how, how sure. does it make you feel? 
without before your head gets in the way. And that's, I think, as we get adults, especially as we get older and older and older and continue to grow, our heads get in the way a lot more because we start thinking analytically about everything. We have wisdom. Air quotes, guys, again, it's like the third or fourth time this year. (laughs) Wisdom and experience. And we can see things and we and it it, it tints our vision differently um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who goes in and has none of those things. Um, and then they just have a feeling and they, and that's, what's the important part of entertainment a lot of times is, unless it's your job, of course, is to find what makes, how you feel, whether it be sad and you want to feel that sadness or, or happiness or relation or, you know, awestruck, you know, why is it that I like fantasy? So anyway, with her, that's that thing. So I knew that I had a feeling she liked this. It's kind of got the whodunit thing and, and she likes, she has those puzzle kind of things to her, um, uh, and she did. She did like it. Spoiler alert. She did like that one. Uh, but I sat down, sit down this with, sat down with her to watch this movie. And uh, she had asked, you know, do I need to watch? The first one I said no. I told her uh, this is. There are a few, a character or maybe two, because I hadn't watched it yet, that are in mm-hmm. the other Knives Out movie. But you need to know nothing about them, except that like the main character is a world famous detective, and they will say right. that in the first two minutes. Yeah, uh, and so that that's all you needed to know. You do not need to watch it. Like James Bond, he walks in and he's a spy. You, that's all. Yeah, you there's need to know. a there's the uh, you know every maybe not every Bond film. I don't know about all the new ones, but definitely all the classic ones do the Seven Samurai thing where we're going to introduce this. And a lot of movies do this now. It's just Seven Samurai was one of the most notable uh, first ones to do it. Where we're going to introduce a character by showing them do something that is not part of the movie. That's right. not relevant to the yes. main story of the movie. Uh, we're going to show Bond chasing or running from some guy and killing him. And then that's all the what in television we would call a cold open. And that's how we. Um, and, uh, yeah. And Mission Impossible does all that a lot, too. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, I want to go into spoilers because I went into this movie knowing nothing except that it is a franchise sequel to um, which I guess is the term I'm going to use now. Um a franchise sequel to Glass Onion, and you mean I tonight's think out. A good way to tonight's out. What did I say? You said Glass Onion. It's a sequel to Glass Onion. Yeah, yeah. a franchise sequel to Knives Out. Um, I wouldn't even use the word sequel. I would just say a franchise entry. Right. Sure. Right. Franchise installment entry. Installment. Whatever. Yeah, that's a good one. Whatever word you want to use for that. Um, I went into it knowing nothing else except that I think. Everyone I heard from our friends and my other online friends, everybody who watched it liked it. And I I didn't click on any spoiler tags. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. Going into spoilers is, is a good idea for the same yeah, reason so, of knive, Knives Out. You don't, you don't want to so know. I'm, you know. Because there's some – I have a remark about your, your World's Greatest Detective thing, but I don't want to mm-hmm. – even that sort of spoils something that happens. Okay, so sure. At the bell. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, I think is the title, something like that, um, and in in detail. So if you've not seen it yet, first go watch it because it's amazing, and then come back and listen to us talk about it for probably the rest of and more mm-hmm. of our available time. So what were you going to say about the, the world-famous detective thing? Um, I mean, this happens at probably like the 40-minute mark. But they have the dinner, and um, and 
uh, Daniel Craig solves the thing with the crossbow or whatever that's my it was. Fa- that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. I, by I, the way. I watched this movie fairly late, and so I had to go on YouTube and watch a, a review with a summary to refresh myself on all the details because it's also a little long. Um, yeah, sure. It's it's like an hour 20. Yeah, an hour 20. Uh, two hours 20, not an hour 20. Like hour 20, um, that's not bad. And it's like, okay, we're setting up all these characters. And, and we've said several times, the movie has said... Um, uh, Ben Benoit Blanc, mm-hmm. I think is his name, um, is the world's greatest detective. Yeah, and then just in case you didn't get that, he proves it right. Like Love it. Ed Norton's character has set up this whole charade, which amused me very much because I, I think I talked about this on the podcast. I listened to the audiobook version of, and then there were none, mm-hmm. which is an Agatha Christie novel that has had several problematic titles over the years yeah which is funny just sort of as culture change like we used to play and sing a song about 10 little indians oh yeah sure uh that was one of the titles of that book because it's a there's a nursery rhyme in the thing and these 10 people go to an island and spoilers for that book they all die (laughs) um the setup of this movie the first sequence i mean aside from all of the pandemic references was exactly that they all get this puzzle box and they're gonna go and i'm like oh they're doing the thing i looked at my brother-in-law who read the book in high school or something and we're like oh we're doing this and you know then we were like who's gonna take you know what's everybody's prediction for who's gonna die first and i'm like i'll bet everybody dies just because that's <laughs> what happens in the book um but uh ed norton's sort of elon musk x character here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. S- sets up this whole thing and daniel craig solves it immediately he's like oh because i don't know if this is true for everybody but i've definitely known people over the years who are that guy yeah. who like you're you're playing some like riddle game with cards and they're like yeah that's that and that's that like they're just the way that their brain works is particularly suited to that that process that that yeah. whatever um and it's fairly annoying and so for him to like he oh he's gonna do this and your thing and you know whatever and and ed norton is pissed it's just and you can see it he is pissed yeah and that 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 made me so happy watching that scene just like i stood up and i was like oh like i literally stood on my feet from the couch and i was like did he just i looked over <laughs> and said did he just solve the whole thing like this is like at the i don't know 40 minute i'm guessing here 40 minute mark it, it feels yeah. like and you're like it was all, all leading up to this big murder mystery and the trailer even tells about he's they're there on the island to serve as the mystery of his murder and they said it's like it feels like it's all a setup to this one thing and and he just straight up ends that debate on there right. while right. at the same time establishing his intelligence um and, and it's a his good well-earned kind of you know position of yeah greatest detective. yeah it's a good um it's a good example of the 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 storytelling of the whole movie right it's just like you know you you think this like if you know this probably fairly well known i mean i listened to it i think probably because it was one of the most um highly rated agatha christie novels on audible um probably a lot of people watching this movie either have read or are familiar with that agatha christie story Hmm. and so just like i did you look at it and you're like oh i bet i wonder if they're all gonna die so he's that character and this person is that character and then you have the random daryl character 
who Wh- is which? Uh, what the heck, man? That what is that? The the YouTube video I watched said that actor is um oh where is it uh, Noah Segan Segan I don't know if I'm saying that right um who has been in all of Ryan Johnson's films oh okay and so it's sure. just like a runner it's just a running joke throughout the movie it's like how uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt has also been in all of his movies and in this he did the voice of the the clock that goes dong oh that's great. <laughs> it's very like you wouldn't even I pulled this movie up because I kept seeing people and I'm like, is that this person? I thought that the the girlfriend, uh, Dave Batista's girlfriend was Florence Pugh and it's it's not, but it looks kind of like her. Mm. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and there are a bunch of cameos. Whiskey. Right. Whiskey. All of the um, the people who uh, Benoit Blanc is playing Among Us with. Are uh, <laughs> those are real people, re- right? Yeah, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, right. uh, Stephen Sondheim, uh, Natasha Leone, and uh, all um, uh, Angela Lansbury, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course, like all sort of mystery associated people, or when Serena Williams is there on the screen, um, which was another great, e- she's like, I, Ethan, you guys want to work out? Ethan <laughs> Hawk is the guy with the with the magic um, uh, immunity gun, yeah, right. To, so so much of this was was so great. Things like the magic yeah. immunity gun. Like one, can I say I'm glad it was great to see them set this intentionally at the beginning of the pandemic. Like they were mm-hmm. like that. I was like, how are they going to work? This is great. This the, is a, this is a great there's, thing. There's there's sort of playing it for humor, and yeah. I definitely had a couple family members who were annoyed by <laughs> by you know characters wearing masks, but then also like. Like, use it as a device to tell us more about these characters. Yes. Right? Like, half of them are, you know, wearing the masks right and normally, you know, they're whatever. Or or not Uh, wanting to shake hands or, you know, get close to each other. And and, and social distancing, right? Like Daniel Craig and and, and several others. And then um, Catherine Hahn's character is a politician. So she's she's wearing the mask like she's supposed to, but it's it's, it's dropping off of her nose. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's she's also like, I don't know if she shakes hands. And then Kate Hudson's character is wearing a ridiculous like mesh mask. So great. It's which, like, you, you know, you're it's, like, it's it's barely there. And then and she has the uh, party, Dave, like the party that it's everybody's at. They're all in my pod type thing. Right, right. They're they're all in my pod, and then and then Dave Batista and the whiskey character. They're not wearing masks at all, and they're immediately just like hugging everybody. So like they're covering the whole spectrum of that you know real life thing from yeah. about two years ago, uh, more than two years ago now. Oof. Yeah. Um. But not just like it's funny, but it's not just funny. It's telling you more about all of these characters. Uh, in a way uh, that you can easily, quickly understand and gather, and and you're right, like, oh yeah, I know right. that, I know that person, and and then, and then they do the magic gun to move on from that, like right, right, we, right. We, like, we used okay, it, okay, we, we, we don't want to beat it, we to did death. that, yeah. and and now we're moving into, you know, a, a normal movie with no, no current events references, right, and because it was, it's like one of those, oh, I like this, what they're doing here. But if do I want to sit through a two hour movie, two and a half hour movie of of that of COVID 
always dealing with of, COVID and social distancing. No, I don't. Of, of characters, you know, trying to act through masks. Yeah, yeah, and no, stuff? no. I, I or or no. kind of always, you know, how are they close or are they or are staying in character with staying six? Right. You know, you don't. Right. That's not fun and interesting. It's it's interesting for the time that they showed it, and then they moved on. So what a great little thing with the magic sh- gun shooting thing. I'm like, well done. And, <laughs> and they it, don't even care. To, he and again, asks what it is, what it is. He's like, it doesn't matter. You're fine, and that's it. He just yeah. keeps saying you're and, fine. And again, it's not just that. That's also used as an opportunity to tell the audience Dave Bautista's character is allergic to pineapple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He, he, he didn't roll pineapple. He, right. Yeah. D- don't dance with pineapple. Right. Uh, so so yeah. so good on that setup. That's so that's just the beginning part. The setups are all great. All the characters love the box. Mm-hmm. The box was great. I love the scene where she destroys the box, which is wonderful, right? Yeah. Because you have a, you had a great time with this cool box. Because if, if you're watching the show, you kind of like mystery things and puzzle solving. That's kind of like thing. oh, they're doing the thing. Of course. I mean, I was I was probably almost giggling at that stuff because there were there was so much just amazing these references and they're doing this and this and you're like and, and then the mom know, is like I, it's a compass and you're like I love, shut up mom I I remember how good. Knives Out was, and I'm and I'm gearing myself up for more of that. Just great murder mystery, you know. Not not trying to be anything else, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Kind of next next couple hours, right? And so so they they had that great puzzle box, and then th- that last one was where she just bashes it open, which I loved um, to find the note, and then um, again, again, sort of giving you a hint that she, I mean. I mean, because you don't Both. know her yet. You don't know anything about right. her, right? Yeah. You don't know anything about her, but you're like, oh, she's she's not like the rest of them in some way. Or, or, at, or is, at the very least, you know, she's not part so. of that group. Like, there's no way. Right. It took all of them to get, to get together to work to get those things done. And then she's standing right. there in front of the box, and she doesn't. Like, that's exactly what you almost have to do. You you felt good for her. Like, oh, man, I, yeah. I'm sitting there in front of this box. I have no help like all these people did, you know. Mm-hmm. I would love to take a hammer to it, but it, she actually did, which was wonderful. So love that part. Love the choice doing that. Um, I also really enjoyed like his one. Uh, uh, what's his name again? The main character, Blanc, is his first name, or, or I'll just call him Blanc from now on. Daniel uh, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he. His throwaway line of like, he says, you know, um, you know, someone sent me this box of child play riddles, and then he, you know. <laughs> Which, children's riddles. Children's ri- children's riddles. It's like that he calls it, which which is great because in it, just in a flash of a moment, I am not an Ed Norton fan, but he does have some moments when he just gives a, a quick look, like what you know, and because yeah. he like, you he insulted him, but he just kept going on, you know, right. um, which was great. So yes, uh, him Blanc coming to the thing, coming to the island um, was great. I love uh, the whole murder mystery in itself was pretty great overall. It wasn't. As complex and as uh, was it mind stimulating as say Knives Out was, sure. Uh, over yeah. overall, but the the uh, as much as I bag on Ryan Johnson for the Last Jedi, which you know he's always going to have that stain in my mind. Th- he's great for this. <laughs> sure. This this is this is his yeah. this is his milieu, I guess you'd say. And, and he mm-hmm. he's on it. He can just feel that he's in his groove with this because then he. He gives us the he switches again. We have a murder, and the real the real movie kind of starts right after yeah, he with this, uh, with this very long flashback. Right then you have a it it, it hits a whole other chapter 
of the story, right? You, right. you change the page, and now you're doing a, 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 the, the other side of the story, which I absolutely love, right? Let's see yeah. this all from another perspective. I'm actually a fan of that in, in a lot of movies anyway. Is, um, I just watched, watched Hawkeye again, uh, the first episode. Hmm. And in the very first episode, Kate is a little kid, and she the attack on New York happens. Right. Um, and they show the Hawkeye Avengers scene one. where he's on top of the thing shooting people down and jumps and everything. And you see it from a different angles from her angle. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's that's really cool. I like that whole idea of looking at how do I look at it from another perspective and what's it like? Sure. Right. And and now this one was from a whole different. You're seeing the whole scene that you saw before knowing new information. Right. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she's yeah. you know who she Seen is. The... You know who these people are. Um, it's a it's a thing heist movies do not all of them but yes. some of like Ocean's Eleven where like okay we're gonna go back and show you stuff you've already seen but from a different point of view right and and heist movies usually end with that right like it leads to the very end the, sure this one has the now <laughs> this is right in the middle yeah which you're gonna <laughs> yeah, lead into the third act which is now now you're all caught up guys now we're gonna finish we're gonna tell the story right yeah. Um, which is interesting, and and it, it does it that could make it really long, but be, this is a two. You know, I complained about how long um, Avatar Two was. Th- this is one of those ones that because of the way it's structured, um, you have you you feel like you've got one part of the story. Now you've got another part of the story. And now we're in the other part of the story, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't. I didn't feel like I was bored, or that it took so long, or that I was, you know, not getting things. Um, and and there were things like. You know, a mystery story, if it's good, if it's playing by the rules, which, you know, there are no formalized rules, but there are plenty of movies that break the rules and are, you know, the Sherlock series kind of thing where you're like, okay, here's what happened and he's going to solve it because he's a genius. Yeah. The, the show didn't give you any enough information to solve it, so you can't yes. solve it. But right, he yeah. can because he's a genius. Right. And um, I am not... Uh, partly because I'm not good at that sort of thing. I am not the person who's watching, trying to yeah. figure stuff out in the course right. of a movie, like maybe in a TV show <laughs> where you've got, you know, hours and days between episodes to like uh-huh. sit and ponder over it, but not in a movie. Right. Um, and this movie had those clues. There were a lot of clues to show you <clears throat> that Ed Norton's character is not any kind of genius. Right. He's right. using he, he is using the wrong words, which is just subtle enough that you watch him and he's talking oh, man. How like great. how great was that when they like called him out on him? The the what does he call it? The the in in not inversion in the the point, the like and not inflection point. And not it inflection was a word point. like <laughs> it was the wrong word the for for what he was describing, but it sounds like any of those buzzwords. So if you don't know, if you're not if you're not really paying attention to that, you're like, yeah, he sounds like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or, you know, any of these tech billionaires. Or chat GPT. Um, or chat GPT. Yeah. Um, and, um, and you're like, okay, there's that. And then, you know, uh, Benoit Blanc breaks his whole dinner party game. But then he says he paid this well-known fantasy or uh, the fantasy uh, um, mystery writer to craft the mystery for him right? right he didn't come up with it and like you know then a lot of that unravels as or gets revealed as you learn more about um um oh what's her name uh the andy 
the Janelle Monae character Mm -hmm. and her sister. Oh, well, both she plays them both, right? That's the bear trap. Um, And, but the point I want to make is that is that those clues are there, but while the movie is revealing those clues, like telling you the motives of the different characters and how they all would have a reason to kill uh, Miles Braun, the Ed Norton character, it's also very entertaining. At least it yes. was for me to have like, oh, now the the writers are they're taking the piss out of influencers and or not influencers, the disruptors, disruptors in this whole <laughs> in this whole thing. And like this, you know, this girl, this lady was um, she was this, and now she's a fashion designer doing this and this. And there's Dave Batista; he's a men's rights advocate and a Twitch streamer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just one after another of of these of these you know little uh burns um and yeah which which makes it like i said entertaining in between the the breadcrumbs and distracts right right? it distracts because you're entertained you're not necessarily paying attention to the things that they are feeding which is super important because you're right like like you i'm not one that actually is intentionally like taking my has my journal next to me writing notes on the movie to figure right, it all out. Right. I, I like to think that um, in these kind of movies, which I did with this one, you pause it at some point and say, make a declaration what you think is going to end. You know, sure. I like that part, even though I'm rarely right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like th- I like that part, like that I can figure it out. This is goes back to my Harry Potter thing I've said multiple times is that it's important that the that if it's going to be a mystery or, or a, something you're supposed to work out or the characters work out that you can plausibly work it out. Yeah. You know? The, one of the, one of the, you know, so-called rules. Cherry Potter does not play. Yeah. yeah. You're right. It's deus ex machina in every yeah. book. Um, one of the rules of fair play for mystery stories is that the reader, the audience could potentially not that they will, but that they could figure it out, that you're giving them enough information that they could figure it out. Yes. I, that's very important to me. I, th- I, th- I think, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and the thing is, is that when uh, I want to say in a good one, in my opinion, when, when it's over, either, either I figured it out and I'm really happy for myself or, sure. or I have it and I can go back and be like, Oh yeah, it was there the whole time. And it's there, things that you just that said. Clue. Yeah. That, that you just said time. that he does. And mm-hmm. Blanc is that great thing in that the way that this is presented and written and directed in such way is that Blanc, um, you know, tells you the things. And he does it like not a quite condescending way. He does it in a way that, that makes you feel like respect for him. Like, oh, he got it because he's so good. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he picked up on that. He is. If I was smart enough, I would be noticing that this guy is not smart. Right. And, and right, I would not right. just let all these breadcrumbs fall. I would be piecing them together, which a real true world class detective is doing at, at all times, um, which makes me appreciate this movie more because it's doing it. It's giving the things that I want it to do. So, yeah, I, I could. You're right. We could keep going on, on and on. This There's a lot to, to unravel, but I liked it. was really happy. Um, I have not seen Knives Out since the first time I watched it. I do remember really liking it. Same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a hard time comparing the two because I don't really remember a lot of Knives Out, Knives Out which is good because I'm probably going to want to go back and watch it again um, <laughs> and, and remind myself not of remember. some things. Yeah, not yeah. remember things. Um, but I like, I want to say just in my feelings memory uh, that it, 
this would come second to Knives Out because I think I was really, really happy with Knives Out, what it gave me. Um, And maybe only the reason I feel less about this one is because I expected it and I had no idea what to expect from Knives Out. Sure. Uh, And and this one, I expected a thing. And I got a thing. And I got a lot of extra things that I didn't expect. Expect. Uh, So so that makes it even... That's even that's harder to do. I think that's a, sure. I should have a lot more respect for that. Um, <laughs> it, when you go in knowing that this is the kind of movie you're going to get, yeah, you know? yeah, or the, or the, or the, expecting, and they better give me it right entitlement. Right, right. the 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 last thing I want to say on this is that I loved when he said he's not Batman. <laughs> that's right. I'm not, I'm not we're, Batman. We're world's greatest detective. But yeah. this this is the limit of my. Uh, authority in this context the the end uh, the ending was great because we like um sydney and i knew from early on that the ending had to have something to do with the mona lisa right yeah like, it's 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 almost too talking about foreshadowing and you're like okay it's this and then again i watched it kind of late but i was like why the camera keeps jumping it's like a it's like watching old episodes of the twilight zone where you're like they are they're emphasizing this thing with the glass on the on the Mona Lisa so hard. They keep going back to it again and again. And like, to me at the time it was just funny. But then when it got to that point in the movie, I'm like, Oh, of course this was important. Yes, of course. Like they, they did that. There's a lot going on, but they're like, don't forget that the Mona Lisa is in this room and that's going to be important. They, they, they Uh, let it rest long enough for you to potentially forget to almost forget. Yeah. 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 So because, because they hammered it hard, just like you said, they were really, really letting everyone know, hey, there's a lot of things we're throwing in here, breadcrumbs, but this one is going to be important and pay attention to it. And then they let it go in long enough that if you forgot about it, which most people can, uh, you, sure. you almost like smack your head again and say, ah, why did I forget that again? Right. I, I mm-hmm. think when, when, when she starts her, her rampage, um, I immediately knew that it was going to lead to that. Like I, I, like, I didn't know how it was going to lead to that, but I knew that right. she, at some point she was going after that. And that's, I felt, I felt a lot of joy in that. Like it was late in the movie, so I can't claim that I ever figured anything out. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But when, when she, when she starts her rampage, I'm like, oh, mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa, there yeah. it all comes. And that's the moment when it all clicked for me, you know, which, all, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, and I, at that moment, I appreciated that Blanc wasn't the one giving us the play by play answer. He left the scene. Right. And, and I love mm-hmm. that. Like he, he had mentioned that he's not, you know, like, uh, he, did, he can't, it almost felt like he says the thing about hearsay, you know, he didn't have any physical proof or whatever. Right. Um, and they, and they, they're very open and honest about that. And it almost made me feel a little sad because as much of these, I like these movies and these stories and these books, 90% of them are only just that they would never hold up in a court of law. You know, it just one guy saw a thing. And that's it, you know. Uh, and he says, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell that to a jury." Well, it would never hold up. And this mm-hmm. one, you know, he just kind of admitted that, and then it it worked its way. So I was really happy with that yeah. ending. So yeah, uh, Glass Onion, uh, th- big thumbs up. Would recommend it to anyone who likes any murder mystery. I guess that's the thing, but mysteries in general. Um, Good, good movie. Um, so we got. Um, I didn't say back away when he did the pest. I got to pick a, a movie for next week. Yep, yep. Um, 
I watched, I can't believe I'm saying this two or three times in, a, in an episode, uh, TikTok again. And occasionally mm-hmm. it has some good things. And one of them was a, a lot of my TikToks in the last uh, month have been movie related things. Surprise, surprise, right? Um, as much as I watch movies. And um, they, they'll do, people show like to show scenes from their favorite scenes from movies. And that's all it is. Right. Uh, and this one was a scene from a movie I'd never seen with, with Anthony Hopkins. And uh, one annoying thing about TikTok recently is that they they go on for like five minutes these days instead of like 30 seconds. Uh, and this was a long one that I, that caught me from the, this scene caught me from the beginning to the entire end of this long TikTok and with Anthony Hopkins about motorcycle racing. And he's an old guy, Anthony Hopkins is old, talking to um, uh, a guy an actor i can't think of what he's been right now but he's um oh he's uh captain pike in the jj abrams verse oh that guy yeah yeah he's he's playing a kind of like it, it seems in this scene which is the only scene i've seen it scene i've seen is um some kind of racetrack official inspector like he has to inspect the bikes or something i'm not sure totally thing and he and he's having this conversation with this old motorcycle maker like hobbyist and and they're talking about this motorcycle that he wants to race and i don't know the whole bit of it uh but i i was like this is this was so interesting and held my attention for the whole thing that i went and looked it up and it's called the world's fastest indian um and then the reviews and the talking part about like and the comments are like well yeah if you haven't seen this one this is the movie a movie to watch one of those like hidden gems things I almost hate saying that because it make it's going to have me make higher expectations. Um, but those two actors that I mentioned are great actors; they really are. Sure, of course, yeah. Um, and to pull off this kind of it's a historical movie. It's based on a real thing and a real person um, about making setting the world's fastest motorcycle speed, uh, and the, uh, a evidently a record that is still held today from the sixties, right, which says a whole lot. Um, so wow. let's watch that. The fa- the world's fastest Indian. World's fastest Indian. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're running oh, long. Man, we're way over. We didn't even get to games, we're way, Dennis. We're way over. We didn't get to games. And I don't think we did post spoilers for Knives Out, but I think I said that before we went into spoilers. Uh, that movie's great. If you liked, yeah. I said Knives Out again. Glass Onion. If you liked <laughs> Knives Out, you're going to love Glass Onion. Uh, if you like mystery stories at all. Uh, you should watch it. I watched it with like a dozen of my family and the ones who didn't fall asleep because we watched it very late. Uh, all loved it. So, yes. And yeah. City loved it at, at, at 16 years old and I loved it. That movie was great. And, and for the past, if you are not a seven to eight year old boy, uh, uh, past, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> well, well, it, well said. Not, not just, not just not a masterpiece. It's, I, I, I struggle to even call it good. Uh, <laughs> It it achieved its goal of making a bad, campy yes. comedy from the nineties. Okay, uh, you've been listening to the Front Porch, this is episode two hundred and seventy eight. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. Check them out uh, for reviews on all the things. Our buddy Fox has probably written a review of uh, Glass Onion by mm. now. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us your guilty pleasure actually terrible movie from the nineties, uh, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail dot com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find contact forms, show notes when relevant, and 
uh, I mean, at one point there was a list of upcoming movies that's not up to date anymore. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a review, we appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.